Well, I'm sharing in the book of Philippians, and we were in the first 11 verses of chapter 2 last week, and we're going to continue in chapter 2. The title of the message is simply, Work It Out. You ever been in a frustrated situation? When it comes to technology, I'm in them all the time. And you go to someone and you say, just work it out. Work it out. And you go, you know, if I knew how to work it out, I already would have worked it out. I remember when I was in college, <clears throat> for the first couple years of college, I was in pre-pharmacy, so I had to take all of these science courses. And I remember I was in organic chemistry. And I kind of waited through the first semester. The second semester, I didn't have a clue. I mean, good thing the teacher was a lady, Dr. Churchill, and I think she liked me because I failed every test the whole semester and I still got a C. Isn't God good when you're even, <laughs> even when you're not saved? But I remember going in for help and, I'm, and I'd go to other students and I'd say, I, I haven't got a clue, this diagram, all those C's and little dashes and H's, and that means nothing to me. You can figure it out. Just work it out. Well, there's no way I could work it out. It wasn't in me. I didn't have the capacity to work it out. Now, I know sometimes when we, we get things at Christmas or we buy a piece of furniture and it comes not put together, you know, you can work it out. Trial and error. You know, what should take about 10 minutes takes me two hours. Trial and error. But, we're, but there's a lot of things that if it's just not in you, you don't have the capacity, you don't have the ability, you don't have the training, the knowledge, or the understanding I could sit there for days, weeks, months, and probably years looking at some of those questions I was supposed to know the answers to, and I'd have never worked it out. Never. In Philippians chapter 2, there's, a, there's a, a, a verse that can be a little confusing sometimes. I think sometimes people take it the wrong way. It says, work out your salvation. Work it out. What does that mean? What does it mean? And that's what I really want to focus on today, working out our salvation. I'm going to read first from chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure or His good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. If you recall in the introduction, I don't have time to review a lot, but Paul has a special relationship with the church in Philippi. He had planted the church. They had been a church who started to support him in his missionary journeys uh, almost from the get-go. He didn't have to prove himself or do anything. They sent offerings to him more than once, two, three different times. As a matter of fact, he's in prison in Rome when he's writing this letter, and he has just received a financial gift from them, even as he was in this house prison in Rome. So these people had a special place in his heart. And he had talked to them about First of all, handling the, the, the pressures, the, the issues that come from the outside. And, you know, if you're a church, 
that God is using and you're moving as the Holy Spirit would lead you, there are going to be pressures from the outside. Christians are going to be persecuted, mocked, and made fun of. If you're doing what the Lord calls you to do, you're going to seem weird to some people. I mean, I can imagine some people hearing a couple of our young adults here saying, well, we prayed, we didn't know who to talk to, and I saw striped stripes. And I assumed the Lord was showing me that's who I'm supposed to talk to. And they walk around the corner, and there's a lady in a striped shirt. Now, that might be coincidence, or it might be weird, or it's God. God promises there's a gift, the word of knowledge. He shows them. He does these that would seem weird to a lot of people. Matter of fact, maybe seem weird to some of you in here. But as we continue to obey, we're going to be attacked, and Paul addresses them and, and encourages them. You know, here's how you handle this stuff. And basically, his bottom line was don't worry about it. Consider it joy that you're suffering. We are called to suffer for Christ when we live righteously. It's part of the package, and it's part of what brings you joy and satisfaction. Boy, that's a new mindset compared to what most of us think. But that's what Paul's encouraging them. And then he went from the t- cautioning them and encouraging them about external attack to, you know what, we've got to get rid of this bickering and stuff that's going on in the church. I mean, some churches actually have that. Did you know that? We're not always in unity. We have different personalities, and sometimes they clash. Sometimes things happen. And he's saying, you know what, that might be normal, but it's not necessary. It does not have to be that way. And he encouraged them on how to stay in unity in the church, in the body of Christ. How unity was such a critical part of being used by God. It brings great joy and pleasure to him. And then we get to this verses, in, starting in, in verse 12 of chapter 2. And he says, Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. First thing I want to point out is when he says, Work out. He does not say work at your salvation. You are not doing anything here to get saved, as we use the word saved. And that's actually part of the problem, how we define saved. And we'll get to that in just a second. But he says work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And if you read that, you might almost think, holy cow, i got to do this right or I'm going to be in big trouble. As a matter of fact, God is so amazing and so powerful that I've got to work this out and I'm scared to death. That's not what it means at all. Not at all. He's telling them to work out their salvation in fear and trembling. Let me give you an idea. Going back to my organic chemistry class, which I just bombed miserably. I went in to take those tests with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. You know why? Because I knew within me there was not a thing I could do to get the answers right. But I was going to fulfill my duty anyway and go take the test. My fear and trembling was in my own abilities and confidence in myself. I had none. So when we're working on our salvation, we need to understand in and of our own selves, in our own strength, we can't do anything about it. But we're going to do everything that we know to do to bring glory and honor to God. Does that make sense? We're going to do all that we know to do to please Him. Maybe I should just put it this way. We're going to do everything we can to hear the Holy Spirit and obey. In me and of myself, fear and trembling. 
I can't live the Christian life in my flesh. I need to be led by the Holy Spirit. I need to submit myself to the Holy Spirit's leading. I need to be obedient. So with fear and trembling, I can't do it on my own. I'm going to work out my salvation as the Holy Spirit leads. What we're called to do here, that work out, really, we could put it this way. We're to work out what God has already worked into us. And part of our problem is, in understanding this, I think, is sometimes we get confused about salvation. If someone says, are you saved? What we're really saying is, when did you get born again? Or are you born again? That salvation is way bigger than that moment that we get born again. It's more of a process. It's more inclusive than that. So when we're talking about salvation, it begins with being born again or regeneration. There is a time when this process starts called salvation. And it is the moment of regeneration, the moment we're born again. The Bible tells us in John 3.3, you must be born again. You must be regenerated. We are spiritually dead as sinners until we accept Christ. Dead. And there's not a thing I can do about it. On my own, I am lost, I am condemned, I am separated from God forever. But by His grace, as His Holy Spirit woos us, reveals truth to us, we confess our sin and cry out to Him as Jesus as our Lord and Savior through His death and resurrection, that that moment when we surrender our life to Him, we are born again. We are regenerated by the Spirit of God. It's a gift of grace given to us. Salvation process has started. And boy, that's a great place to start. Hopefully, everybody in here has experienced that. But if you haven't, it's not that hard. It's kind of like the kids. It's, they made it sound pretty simple, didn't they? We just shared and they asked if they wanted to accept Jesus. Well, they did a lot of sharing before they asked that question. They know what it means to truly accept Christ. But we need to just acknowledge we're a sinner and know we need a Savior and that Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, is that Savior. And He died for us. Our salvation continues with what we call sanctification. So first there's regeneration, being born again. Then there's this process of sanctification. And this sanctification is our spiritual maturing. And it takes place as we become more and more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. We obey the Holy Spirit. And as we are doing this, we are being transformed in more and more and more into the image of Christ. That's the process we are all in if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. If we have been regenerated, born again by the Spirit of God, we are in the process of sanctification. And that process of sanctification goes at a different rate in everybody's lives. The more we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the faster it goes. So we need to cooperate. And Paul's going to encourage us to cooperate. And then the, the, the culmination, if you would, of this salvation process is the glorification and that is that moment when we get our glorified spiritual bodies and we are in the presence of God forever. So when we talk about salvation, that's what we're talking about. Being born again. The process of sanctification becoming more and more Christ-like. And eventually, when Jesus comes back, we are going to receive that glorified body and our salvation is complete. 
And what Paul is saying, and what we want to get in our, our heads and our hearts is, don't shortchange God's gift to us. It includes all of this process. In other words, let's go after all of what redemption offers us. This whole process of becoming that new creation in Christ happened immediately. We're renewed by the washing of the Word as we become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, as we fellowship with like-minded believers, as we continue to grow and are obedient. That sanctification process, and then one day, the glorification when we will get that spiritual body and we will be in His presence forever. And that's what Paul's saying to the people in the church in Philippi. So, working out your salvation. Paul gives us a picture of, of three... I, I picked out three. You can maybe break it into more. But gives us a picture of what some of these Christ-minded people might look like. And I'm just going to mention them and then we'll talk about them. First of all, in verse 15, he talked about the be obedient children. Be obedient children who just desire to please God. You know, we, we, we need to understand the motivation. God loves us so much He sent His Son. Therefore, my desire, because I love Him, is to please Him. And how do I do that? I be obedient. Follow His Word and receive His blessing as I follow His Word. So he says, he gives us a picture of obedient children, and then he gives us a picture of stars shining brightly. Now, depending on your translation, but the words there are, you know, these bright luminaries shining out brightly. He's saying we need to be bright shining stars in this dark, evil, perverse world. If you think about it for a second at all, when you think about what the situation of the world is, Darkness, sin, evil. And here you and I are, born again. God living in us by His Holy Spirit. We ought to stand out like a lighthouse in the middle of the night. Problem is, too often we don't. And Paul's going to address that. But he gives us that picture. We're to be that shining star, that shining luminary. And then he says, also he gives this picture of the passing of a baton for runners in a race. Paul's saying, man, we want to pass the baton on. The race doesn't end when I disappear or you disappear. Who have we passed the baton to that the race continues and we keep running that race? So I want to go back now to the words work out. The word work out does not mean let's go get the exercise down at the, the local gym. That's not what it means at all. The work out, phrase work out in the Greek means to bring something to completion. To accomplish it or to achieve it. So he's saying, let's bring our salvation to its completion. Let's achieve the fullness of God's salvation for us. Let's continue that race. Let's work it out. Work out what God has put in us. Don't stop part way. In our culture today, commitment is a rare commodity. Christians, we need to be committed. To, to claiming all of the promises that God has for us in our salvation. And that's what Paul's saying. Work it out. Don't stop. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. And in this whole book, we've got to remember, he's sitting in a jail attached to a Roman guard. And he's saying, joy and rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He's saying, don't give up. It's not about our circumstances. It's about our commitment. We need to keep going, keep going to full maturity 
You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, which also talks about a gift that God gives to the church, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, and somebody, pastor. And he says he gives them to the church. Why? Well, verse 13 of Ephesians 4 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal of this process. And in God's eyes, it was so important when Jesus was talking to the disciples, you know, I'm going to go. And he sent gifts to the church in these, these five ministries to bring about, to help bring about this process, to work alongside the Holy Spirit. We're to mature in our faith. How do we do this? Well, this can turn into a real effort of religiousness in a hurry if you're not careful. Religiosity. That's not what we're interested in. We're going to work out, in other words, live it, what God has already worked in. You and I, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. In Galatians 5, 22, this is what lives in us. It says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Stay in unity. That's what's in us. When we accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit came in us, the Holy Spirit brought that fruit. It's there. It's in us. We need to work out what God has worked into us. We need to let that fruit manifest in our daily lives. We need to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We need to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and all the rest. It's part of what we have in us as we work out this salvation that God is calling us to work out. Verse 16 of chapter 5 in Galatians says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We are to live by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. To a lot of us, that sounds so ethereal, we don't even know what that means. We need to learn to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. You know, these young adults are sitting in a, in a strange city with a whole bunch of strange people, and they're, they've been trained to go out and have gospel conversations. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just sit down and say, God, who do you want us to talk to? And the Holy Spirit prompts you with something as simple as stripes. Blue and red. Lo and behold, both situations led to somebody praying and asking Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. How'd that happen? God had them ready. He pointed them out and they simply were led by the Holy Spirit. And that's how we should live our lives. Led by the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to hear His voice. One of the ways this helps us really to hear the Holy Spirit is to learn the Word. The Holy Spirit will use the Word more than anything else. If we want to recognize what He's saying, we need to learn and read the Word. We need to realize that there is a power of God in us to do His will. We have help. And yet, 
that amazing resource that's in there, oftentimes we don't even tap into it. Can you imagine if, if, if one day somebody came up to you, here it is, he's, he's dressed in a suit and he looks really good and he's an attorney and he's got something in his hand for you. And you all freak out because you figure you're being getting a summons or something. And it turns out a long, long, long lost relative just gave you a gold mine that's, the science tells us it's full of gold. And you go, Awesome! I've got a gold mine full of gold. And I walk in the house and I put it in the desk drawer and there I sit and I don't think about it anymore except I tell people all the time, i got a gold mine. i got a gold mine. They look at you eventually and go, you're an idiot. If you had a gold mine, you wouldn't be driving that 67 Chevy. Come on. Oftentimes we're like that guy with that gold mine. We walk around because we feel obligated. We let people maybe know we're a Christian. And we let somebody else know we're a Christian. And, let me, and they look at us and go, I don't think I want to be one of them. We have that untapped power, that untapped source of love, joy, and peace, goodness, kindness. It's in there. We need to do all that we can to work it out so that we can truly represent Christ to the people because He's our example. He is our example. And it tells us that He works in us to will and to do. Wouldn't you love to be able to do that with people when you want them to do something? I can actually make them want to do it and then I can give them the power to do it. God, that'd be great. This is what Paul's saying. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He will give you the desire and then He will give you the power. To give you the desire, give you the power to do His will. And once we start to do that, once we, once we hear the Holy Spirit, we start stepping out in faith, and we start to see God do these amazing things, it is nothing but a blessing. And it brings joy and satisfaction. And that's what Paul's saying as he goes through this. Man, you do this stuff even if you have to suffer. Even, any of you guys on a little uncomfortable going out and sharing Christ to complete strangers in the streets of Denver? Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm nervous just thinking about it. But you do it, and all of a sudden people respond. People pray to accept Christ. Boy, what a blessing and a joy it was to suffer a little inconvenience, a little nervousness, a little fear for the glory of God. And that's what we're all supposed to be like. And that's Paul's message. Oh, you're going to have some things that it's not all that much fun in your flesh. But if you go ahead and go along with the Holy Spirit's leading... It will bring joy and satisfaction that you can't find anywhere else. It's not out there. He'll give you the power to, to want to and to do it. And it says He does it all for His good pleasure in verse 13. Or for His good purpose in some translations. So when we're doing this, our motivation is, this is going to please our Heavenly Father. It's going to fulfill His perfect purpose, His plan. And this is what Paul's telling the church. If you just... Just do these things. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Work it out. He gives us the desire and the motivation to work out our salvation. To be obedient. To, to, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? How do we do that 24-7? How do we do that? Well, there's a story of a little girl whose daddy was the pastor 
I don't know why they always pick on pastors. But the daddy was the pastor, and the little girl is talking to daddy after she'd been to her Sunday school class and says, Daddy, we talked about sin today. Is it possible for me to live my whole life and never sin? And dad says, well, sweetheart, I, no, I'm sorry. It's just not possible to live your whole life and never sin. Well, daddy, could I live, could I live a whole year without committing any sin? And again, the dad looked at his little girl's hopeful eyes and says, Sweetheart, no, I'm sorry. It's not possible to live a whole year without sin. Well, Dad, can I live a whole day without sin? And again, Dad looks at his little girl and says, Honey, I am so sorry, but no. You can't even live a whole day without sin. And the little girl, finally she says, Daddy, can I live just a moment without sin? Now the pastor dad was scratching and says, You know, honey, I think you can live a moment without sin. And then she says, Dad, if that's the case, I'm going to live my life moment by moment. That's how we can live our lives and work out our salvation. Moment by moment, you're going to mess it up. I'm going to mess it up. But man, if we focus moment by moment, you know, moment by moment, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what are you, what are you, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Open my eyes. God, my heart, help me. Give me your heart. I mean, if we're moment by moment, and I know, I know how hard that would be, and we're going to fail, but boy, what a goal. What a goal we would have and what pleasure, pleasure we would bring to our Heavenly Father. What kind of servant does God want us to be? And I think it's interesting when I started looking at different scriptures and different books that Paul wrote, how many times he came back to unity. Unity, unity, unity. In this particular one, he says he wants a contented servant. He wants one without grumbling or complaining or disputing. That's what kind of servant he can really work in. And it's interesting, again, the, the word without in the Greek suggests it's the same word. It, it means basically isolation. He's, so he's saying is, I, I want you to be the kind of, sermon, uh, kind of servant where there is no grumbling. You're isolated from it completely. You're content. Paul's Words where I'm in content in all things. Whether I have, whether I don't have, contentment. When there's not contentment, it does not take long. Where there's grumbling, murmuring, and complaining. And where there's grumbling, murmuring, complaining, there is no thankfulness. And unity disintegrates. And we see that over, we saw it in Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit. Being in unity. He wants people who are willing to be servants of that type. And then he went on and he says, I want you to shine as lights. That is such an interesting picture in, in this crooked, perverse world, in his words. And the world is getting more crooked and more perverse all the time. And we are to be shining lights. Letting our light shine forth. I don't want to go back and beat a dead horse with all going on in our culture today, but you notice we're to work out our salvation. 
and be a light that shines. You know, we are to speak. It tells us here we're to speak, uh, holding forth the word of life. All of these things. Man, when we see evil, we see all these perverse things going on in our country, we, need, we can't ignore it. But when we're working at our salvation and holding forth the word of truth with love, kindness, gentleness, we will be so much more effective than coming out there and railing against all of these things. As I said last week, I can't find many places in the Bible where Jesus railed at anybody other than religious, legalistic people. But He never, never approved of sin. We need to work out our salvation. Be shining lights in, a, in this world. Not mixed with the world and holding forth the word of truth. I love that phrase that I guess they picked up down there. Have gospel conversations, right? Was that the words? Gospel conversations. That doesn't sound even all that threatening, does it? You know, you get together with somebody, what do you talk about? You've got to come up with something. You know, if your favorite sport team's lost, you might as well forget that. The weather is kind of over-talked about. Let's have a gospel conversation with people holding forth the word of life. In other words, he wants us to live our life as a sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. And that's what Paul is telling the church in Philippi. And that's what God is speaking to us, a church over 2,000 years later, to live our lives as a living sacrifice. In Romans it says, this is your spiritual act of worship, your spiritual duty. And Paul finishes it up and says, this is where you're going to find your joy and your satisfaction. Paul saw things differently. He saw suffering and sacrifice as a doorway into this greater place of joy and rejoicing in Christ. So are you saved? Well, I hope that has new meaning to you. But the reality is it does have to start with salvation, re regeneration, being born again. You're not on the road, the salvation road, till that happens. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, remember, it doesn't matter what you've done in your own strength. It doesn't count. It's accepting the free gift of God through Christ. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then you're on that road of sanctification. That maturing in Christ. Becoming more and more and more Christ-like. In other words, the gift of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit manifesting more and more and more and more and more in your life. And then one day we don't have to worry. We will be ready for that day when glorification comes. So we can experience the complete fullness of the redemption that God purchased with the life of His Son. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You that You offer to each one of us the life of Christ. You extend it to each one as a free gift that we may accept Jesus as that substitute who died on our behalf that we can be born again by your Holy Spirit, 
be restored to that intimate relationship that you desire to have with us. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who has never done that, today is the day they do. And Lord, I am so thankful that you have given us your Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us and you've given us your word to be a guide that we might be led down that road that leads to Christ-likeness. And Lord, we do thank you for the certain hope, the promise we have that one day we are going to receive that new body and be in your presence forever. That Jesus is coming back. But until that day, Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to, to be light, to hold forth the word, to have those gospel conversations, to love people like you love people, to share truth with love. Lord, I pray for uh, these young people who, who experienced that week down in Denver at Lead the Cause. I pray, God, that the seeds that have been planted will run in great soil. God, I pray, Father, that the fire that's been fanned in them will be continually fanned. God, I pray you would give them favor amongst their peers in their schools. And Lord, I pray that we would catch the fire that they have. That we as a church would be a bright light that would draw people to Jesus. Lord, I pray as we go our separate ways today, you would watch over us, keep us safe, protect us. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name that he would be glorified. Amen.